Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up-and-coming brands. Anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the founders of Fuzi, Kevin Conway. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Definitely. All right. So for the listener that may not be familiar with Fuzi, how would you best describe your brand to them? Uh, we really want to empower uh, outdoor enthusiasts to integrate the technology into their adventures without worry of any conditions, whether it's extreme cold in the winter time for skiing, snowboarding, snowmobiling, or uh, in the summer uh, adventures, worry about your your electronics or devices getting too hot. So uh, some people have referred to our products as a Yeti for your electronics. So keeping your phone battery alive in the cold, preventing it from overheating in the summer and uh, the sun, and uh, keeping things floating if they happen to drop in water or go for a fall onto some rocks or uh, some unexpected territory. That's so interesting. So you, you you came up with this idea in 2016. You launched the business in 2017. What? How did you get to the point of being like, you know what, this is, this is exactly what I want to start building? You know, it really came from uh, my own necessity. Uh, my, I spend a lot of time on the lake in the summer. I'm a very avid wakeboarder and wake surfer, and there's never a good place to put your phone. It's, you know, you always want to keep it accessible. Somebody's always wanting to change a playlist or text you to come pick them up at the dock, whatever the case may be. And my phone was constantly overheating and that can create you know, permanent damage to your phone and to its battery. Uh, and just said, man, there's gotta be a better way instead of hiding it in towels or trying to stick it in the cooler or put it somewhere in the boat. And um, that was one thing, uh, looking for a simple solution. And after doing a lot of research online and going to uh, multiple stores, there was nothing that exists. I was like, man, I just need something like a simple koozie put my phone in when I'm doing uh, these outdoor activities that I love and I'm passionate about and there was nothing and that kind of spawned the idea of like well there needs to be something I have this problem I'm sure other people have experienced this and started talking to uh, a lot of mainly my you know my friends and peers and uh, they all said yeah we've all been there and experienced that so I said let's create something and then we started kind of building a wish list of man if we were going to build this what do we want it to do and Overheating in the summer is certainly one challenge. The other challenge is uh, I've lost a phone or two in the lake and the ocean and the best waterproof cases in the world simply don't float very well. And we said, okay, let's make it prevent overheating and float. And um, I spend a lot of time on the mountain uh, in the wintertime, snowboarding and skiing. And man, your battery dies so quickly and go out with 100% charge. And then at the end of the day, you walk out and you look and your battery's dead or even sometimes after an hour or two, depending on how cold it is, and said, well, how can we make this insulate your device to extend that battery life so you can use your phone all day on the mountain to keep the tunes going, whether you're connected to an app. And I uh, kind of came with this huge wish 
list. And so, man, that's a big wish list. That's really hard to kind of accomplish all of those things, especially when you look at the physics of keeping something insulated in the cold and preventing it from overheating in the in the heat. Uh, it's it's quite a challenge. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely had that experience with my phone, and I kind of wish you guys made a product for a GoPro. <laughs> the amount of times my GoPro has died from overheating or being too cold. <laughs> it's the same issue. We never know what's in the pipeline and uh, what's coming soon, so stay tuned. <laughs> oh, so, uh, ominous, I love it. <laughs> okay, so tell me a little bit about your background. Um, do you have any experience starting and building businesses? Like, Did you know from a young age that eventually you were going to sort of go out on your own? No, definitely not. Uh, my my whole background is as a professional race car driver. I started racing at the age of six and then uh, started competing at a professional level at the age of 16, working my way up through the different ranks and uh, before you know, finally making it to the NASCAR Cup Series where I raced for a few years there and was Rookie of the Year in 2010, uh, and then transitioned to sports cars in 2012 as a driver for Lamborghini. and. Uh, I've been fortunate to win a world championship there and a couple of IMSA championships here in North America uh, with Lamborghini. And I still, to this day, still race and still still drive for Lamborghini. But um, and during that whole time, racing is very, very focused on sponsorships and marketing and the partners you bring along. So uh, I've been very involved in business throughout uh, my entire professional career as an athlete, whether it was putting together sponsorship programs or, or working with sponsors and helping them utilize motorsports to increase their sales because at the end of the day, if you can't deliver value, they're not going to sponsor you for very long. So that certainly kind of sparked that uh, entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, and uh, had a marketing company uh, that was focused primarily in motorsports, but that was the extent of it. I've never launched a consumer brand uh, before. I've, I've been fortunate to be on the advisory board of some some different startups and things and just learn a lot. but. Uh, it's just like in, in professional sports or anything, you're only as good as the team around you. So as soon as we knew this was something that I wanted to pursue, it was uh, going out and trying to, to find the right people that, that knew what I didn't know and, and uh, could, could start to learn from them. That's fascinating. How do you get into race car driving at so, such a young age? Your family like very um, into it growing up? For sure. There's certainly some parental influence when you start racing at six years old. Um, <laughs> Figured. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's no different than kids that are out on the mountain at an early age skiing or snowboarding. And, um, you know, there's a lot of parallels to, to other sports, and especially uh, skiing, snowboarding, surfing, things like that. They're a little bit more of an individual sport while racing is far from an individual sport because it takes so many people to support your efforts uh, you know, there's still some similarities along the way. And I get so stoked every time you see a little kid ripping down the mountain or out on the water surfing or wakeboarding, because that's what it's all about, instilling that, that passion at an early age. And you never know where, where, uh, where it can take you. For sure. Um, so let's talk about the start and launch of Fuzi. Um, obviously, it took some time to develop the product and then launch it in 2017. Um, did you start with a more direct-to-consumer approach, a more um, retail approach? How did you really get things rolling in the beginning? Well, we came up with several different um, prototypes and started testing to make sure that our dream was possible, or at least the first version of that was possible. Uh, it took a tremendous amount of trial and error and uh, working with people in the aerospace industry. There's a big technology transfer between motorsports and the aerospace industry. So I had some good relationships there and 
managing heat and cold and temperatures as a whole is something that we do quite a bit in motorsports. It's a big element of that. And uh, going to some of these aerospace firms that were able to help us with some of the existing technologies to create our own IP, uh, to create this solution that is now the Fousey, uh, was was something that was quite challenging. Uh, the first the first version prototypes, we've kept them along the way just to, to save, just to remind us kind of where we came from. But uh, they're beyond embarrassing, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, if you go back and you look at them, you just kind of cringe and go, oh, my God. And when I walked into some of these meetings with some of these huge, huge uh, aerospace companies that build fighter jets and missiles and, and satellites, uh, I walked in one time with literally a taped together prototype of some materials that I had been able to source and, uh, you know, not knowing any different. I look back now and cringe, but at the time I was like, hey, this is a good idea. This can work. And I can only imagine what they were thinking when they sat down and met with me because um, <laughs> I look back now and just shake my head and go, oh, my God, it was unbelievable. But, uh, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And I think that's one of the biggest things in a startup is um going into it, not knowing everything, which gives you the, the confidence to create something. If you yeah, definitely if you really knew all the things, you probably wouldn't do it, but that's okay. Cause that's, that's part of the process. And, you know, for us creating that channel, you know, certainly direct to consumer was, was our focus initially, just because you can control that you're in control of that customer experience of what that looks like. And, you know, all of the connection points in that customer experience, which is very important. Um, you know, beyond that, kind of what happens, happens. But um, we launched actually an outdoor retailer and uh, GoPro Mountain Games in 2017 in June was our first kind of launch. And then our first exposure to any real outdoor shops or retailers uh, was at outdoor retailer that you know, following month in July of, of 2017. And uh, we were very surprised to see the response that we had. We had planned to really you know, build out that direct to consumer channel and certainly wanted to focus on some specialty retailers in the outdoor space just because your product provides a, a very simple and, and effective solution to a problem that a lot of us have experienced. So it made sense to go into specialty stores, but um, you know, the, as, as fate would have it, uh, ironically, Best Buy, which was certainly not on our radar, approached us about working with them and, and they were one of our first partners within 30 days of launch. Wow, that's incredible. And they just, how did they find out about you in the, within the first 30 days? You know, weeks release and, and we put a press release out on the wire and I jokingly say press releases out on the wire don't really do much in this day and age, but they certainly can help with SEO and that was our intent. Uh, we got very fortunate and it went uh, to use the over overused word viral, but it, it, it really took off and we had a tremendous amount of media coverage in a very short period of time. In fact, it overwhelmed our website, uh, just the amount of PR coverage that, that uh, we received when we first launched. And it was fun, I'll tell you. I mean, you begin to think, wow, this is going to be a lot easier than we thought. But uh, <laughs> that was misleading. <laughs> but it was a pretty wild 48 hours when we put the, the press release out. And to just watch all of the orders coming in our website, it was unbelievable. Uh, and it was really through that that one of the buyers found us and happened to be a very avid uh, snowboarder. And it's like, man, I've had this problem. And this is, you know, this is great. Um, tested the product, tried it, and, you know, it was a long process from initial contact before we started selling in Best Buy, but uh, that was that was a big uh, kind of shift in our overall strategy, and uh, direct-to-consumer was still a core part of that, and still is a big core part of our business, 
to really build our brand and allow our customers to experience not only our products, but our culture. For sure. Now, when you launched, did you bootstrap it or did, or did you raise a little bit of capital to help get things off the ground? We are fully bootstrapped. Uh, we still haven't taken any outside capital in. Uh, I had, uh, which kind of, it was looking back, it was one of those things where you shake your head, but it didn't seem so scary at the moment. But I took everything that uh, I had, every bit of savings, uh, literally drained every account and went all in on this and not knowing if it would work, not knowing if there would be market acceptance, customer acceptance. Uh, I'm kind of, my, I've made my, my living for the past 24 years as a professional race car driver, taking calculated risk and, and having a high level of commitment. Uh, and we kind of took the same approach to Fousey because if you, it, it's really hard to do something like this and be 50% in or 75% in, you really have to go all in. and. Uh, I think when you when you go all in, it forces you to survive. You're either going to sink or swim. So uh, for me, it it, it, it kind of worked out. And, and then uh, we got the, the first prototypes, the first product going. And I had gone to my business partner, who's now my business partner, Josh Inglis at the time. He was an executive at Home Depot. And it told him what we were doing. And, and we've been friends for the past 20 years. And uh, I'd ask him, said, "Hey, you should you should be a part of this." So he was just going to be an advisor, and and uh, just before we actually launched in February of 2017, he left his uh, I call it his cushy corporate job. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> to to come do a startup and and partner up with me on Fuzi and help me launch this because he presented a whole you know skill set that quite frankly I didn't have from the operation side, business side, um, that that really brought a nice balance to to what we were doing and. Again, as I said earlier, it's it's all about the people that you surround yourself with and the team. You're only as successful as, as the people that, um, that that are around you. And uh, it's certainly been a massive learning curve for both of us. I wouldn't even say it's a curve. It's just a constant vertical line. And, and uh, I jokingly say it's constant drowning. But uh, it's it's been a lot of fun along the way. That's really awesome. Okay, so you launch in 2017. You get approached by Best Buy. Um, Outside of that, what does the growth look like? I guess maybe even including that, what does the growth look like from that launch to now, today in 2020? Sure. So from where we were, uh, you know, launching it, GoPro Mountain Games in 2017, selling on our site and having a few small specialty uh, retailers put our product in. We're now in over 25 countries and we're in retailers around the world, including uh, REI, Shields, Best Buy, Lowe's, um, there's a lot of uh, outdoor retailers like Peter Glenn, uh, local shops and like in Aspen, like Hamilton Sports to uh, boutiques like Digitique and Breckenridge. So we really crossed the gamut from specialty outdoor stores to large big box stores, obviously Best Buy, um, you know, in, in multiple countries around the world. And then for sure, online and direct to consumer is still a very large focus for us. And we had one product. Uh, that we had now we have over over 45 SKUs so in two and a half almost three years we've grown tremendously and continue to innovate and come out with new products uh, and, and improve our existing products and find new ways to uh, better serve our customers I mean it's it's a it's been a big shift I think in the whole outdoor community before people would go outside to get away from their phones or to get away from their technology but the next generation of outdoor enthusiasts are starting to integrate that technology into their outdoor experiences to enhance them, uh, to make them safer, 
And we use apps for so many different things, whether it's a smartwatch or uh, coming back to a heart rate monitor or a GPS app or, or just capturing some of the imagery so you can share your adventures with others. It's, uh, it, it, it's been fun for us to kind of ride that wave of the next generation of outdoor enthusiasts. That's so awesome. Now, since you run a business that is so heavily focused in the outdoor space, how do you keep sustainability sort of front and center um, when manufacturing uh, your products? You know, that, that sustainability is, is something that is always uh, at the forefront of what we're, what we're trying to do. And uh, in fact, we're in the process right now of revamping all of our packaging, um, looking at how we can minimize our packaging and what happens to that packaging after somebody opens opens it up, pulls their fusi out, starts using it, uh, looking at the at, at how we can turn that into something else that they might be able to use, or um, you know, how can we make sure that we're eliminating plastics and that we're using recycled materials? So, I think overall, just just looking at our responsibility to do our part, um, and it's not so much that you know, everybody says every little piece makes a difference and, and it does, but it's more of setting an example and, and uh, not waiting to, to follow somebody else's lead, but to, to set that bar. So, um, you know, for us, it was first getting our, getting our company propped up and going uh, and kind of offsetting our carbon footprint from that standpoint to, to now we're able to really focus in on the materials that we choose, uh, the materials that we develop. We're constantly innovating and filing new uh, patents around our technology as it evolves and all of those things, sustainability plays as a key, key element of that uh, so that we can, you know, create, use things out of recycled materials and, and look at what happens to our product when, when it reaches its end of life and, you know, every step along the way. Uh, it's a massive, massive project. Uh, so for us, it's, it's constantly taking one bite, one, one bite of the apple a day versus trying to eat the whole thing at once because it's not possible to eat it all at once, but uh, yeah, definitely, especially we, when you're we, small. We continue, we continue to uh, take steps in every product iteration and, and every new thing that comes out to um, to be more sustainable in the way that of, of everything that we choose and, and in our actions as a as a company as a whole. Definitely, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, over the years, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about uh, building Fuzi? <laughs> uh, man, I think the the hardest challenge for us is continually um, understanding not just the needs of the consumer, but the retail landscape is is always evolving um, and changing both between retail, direct consumer, and then online marketplaces like Amazon all play a huge role. So there's a lot of fluidity there, and you you have to continually evolve and adapt. Uh, so I think for us is there's there's so many things that are out of your control, and as a race car driver, I can tell you I'm a control freak. Um, in, in business, there's just too many elements you can't control. So, uh, people are going to continually, you know, let you down and, and, uh, not do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it, which creates other challenges. So I think it's, it's learning to, uh, not strive for perfection, but to strive for excellence in every area and, and really just kind of roll with the punches. It's about persistence and tenacity and, uh, the worst thing that comes that that day or that week or that month it really isn't the worst thing it's just one more challenge so uh, i think that's that, that that can be a little for all entrepreneurs it can get a little bit tiring it's like a rocky movie where you just keep taking those punches and taking those punches and taking those punches and then you go back and you land one and you say oh yeah we're still in this we've got this so 
Uh, it's that, that constant roller coaster, man, but it, it's addictive. You love it. And you know, you're creating something that, that tens of thousands of people are stoked on. And, uh, we know that, uh, we have even better products coming in the pipeline and we're continually innovating. So that, that drives you through those, those dips of the roller coaster. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it, it's so true with any business. There are moments where you're like, why are we doing this? <laughs> we just keep getting hit. And then other moments where you're like, oh, okay, all right, this feels good. <laughs> We're on to something here. Um, it's just sort of the journey of it all. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So over the years, what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made uh, thus far with Fuzi? You know, I think anytime you, you assume it's bad, but I think you know, the, some of the mistakes um, – we try to look at them as, as learning experiences and uh, there's certainly things you would do differently. I think when you sometimes can get in your own head, meaning you drink your own Kool-Aid a little bit, uh, thinking that customers or retailer or certain um, positioning of your brand or of your products are going to be perceived a certain way. And then once you get it out there and, and launched, you realize, yeah, that that's not really how it's going. We need to shift and, and really pivot there. So. Um, I think one of the big strong suits for us is that when we have those learning moments that we're able to very quickly adapt and learn from those. And, you know, we're, it's great when we get all of the positive feedback from our customers, but that negative feedback is even more important. And at our size of our company is we're a very small company. We're able to pivot very quickly and make changes to our product or add features or, um, you know, really listen to our customers and, and better understand how they're using our product which sometimes is very different than what we ever anticipated uh, and the challenges that they have with the product and, and there's a big part of consumer education uh, people don't really understand thermodynamics and that's okay they're not supposed to um, and then even educating people on things like hey man my battery is a consumable like your battery can be used up maybe your phone has greater thermal sensitivity or it's dying quickly in the cold because the battery's used up and no matter what you put it in, it's still going to die. So I think really understanding that customer and, and, um, you know, not, not assuming anything along the way has, has been something that we've had to continually evolve and adapt to. And, um, you know, sometimes we've, we have gone in and launched products without very, without, without a tremendous amount of, um, input. And it, sometimes it's worked incredibly well and other times, it's fallen flat and we've had to kind of reposition everything around that to better address the, the needs of the customer. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or really just the business in general? I think the biggest thing is to, to find something that you're truly passionate about and pursue that and pursue that passion. I think that word is so overused right now and we hear it that it just becomes numb, but really finding that thing that, that drives you and you know are you creating a solution are you are you creating something that makes life simpler and better and uh, if so commit to it and, and and go all in and pursue that and it's as much about the journey as it is a destination and if it's about you know so many people say this and it sounds cliche but if it becomes about the money i think it you have a very high chance of failure if it becomes about pursuing something that you're passionate about and creating and you know, providing value to your customers, um, whether it's a direct-to-consumer product or business-to-business -business product or a service, whatever it may be, I think those are the things that, that create success. And certainly, you, you have to be able to pay your bills. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying money is not important, but 
it can't be the primary driver. And I've talked to several entrepreneurs that they just want to do this to make a lot of money and sell their company. And, uh, you know, for us and myself personally, and speaking for Josh, we've taken a little bit of a different approach of creating something that has sustainable profitability and that delivers real value to the customers first and foremost, and provides uh, a solution to, to challenges that we all face, whether it's in the outdoor space or evolving into other categories as well. Definitely. Now, obviously, you, you've had a lot of success in the um, retail side with partnerships like Best Buy and REI and others. How have you um, developed your direct-to-consumer channels? Like, what has really worked for you guys um, to get the product out there and, and, and sell it? Well, for us, certainly Amazon has been a big driver. <clears throat> it's hard to uh, not be a part of Amazon when you look at how many product searches originate on Amazon versus even Google. So being there is important. I think how you manage your Amazon channel um, as a whole is very, very important because I, let's just say there's 10, th 10 touch points that you can control on direct to consumer. You get about five to six of those on Amazon, but you don't get the whole customer experience that they would going to your website. Um, so I think that, that that's a supplemental tool to the whole direct to consumer channel because a lot of times people may research either on your website or on Amazon and then come back and buy it even at a retailer. We've had that, we've seen that happen many times uh, and vice versa. But I think managing the Amazon piece is, is something that can't be ignored and how you do that to control your pricing and not put your retailers in, a, especially your specialty retailers and even large big box stores in jeopardy where, you know, Amazon's selling it at a lower price or, um, you know, things like that. But it's, it's, um, it's certainly not easy, but I think focusing on that overall customer experience and really putting yourself in the customer's shoes from the time that they come to your website for the first time, whether they sign up for more information or for your, your, your promos, if you do those or, um, you know, sign up to, to just learn more. What does that experience look like? And what does that customer journey look like? And really, how do you want to be treated? You know, do you want to get hundred emails in your inbox every week? No, nobody wants that. And, um, but do you want to know that you matter and that you're heard and that you're seen by the brand? I think those things are very important to the direct to consumer channel. I think that's really smart and, and definitely a, a great way to approach the direct to consumer, uh, channel. Now I want to ask, and I guess maybe we alluded to this a little bit earlier in the episode, but where do you see Fuzi in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? For sure. So, you know, our technology has continued to evolve. So we basically have made thermally resistant composites to work with both hot and cold. We're looking at integrating our technology into outerwear. Uh, we're looking at integrating it into other products. You alluded to kind of the GoPro challenge that people have. And we've had some people get really creative cutting up some foosies to make GoPro housings. And uh, we have a lot of people using our products for their power banks and their GoPro batteries. Uh, we have, you know, three new products launching this year uh, that will be in Q4 that we're very excited about and really taking it in, in increasing the effectiveness of our product, but also new use cases uh, within the medical industry and also, you know, even within the military application. So for us, you know, launching Fuzi within the outdoor channel was the, kind of the first real proof of concept to prove our technology and viability. And now that we have that, we have the ability to 
integrate our technology into a number of different applications and working with uh, some large brands to accomplish those things. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot of plans for the future. Uh, what, what's your favorite part about running Fousey? Man, I, you know, it's hard to pick one thing to say my favorite part about running Fousey is one thing, but I think it's the creative aspect, being able to create a solution and seeing people utilize that. And, and when they're, they're so stoked that the product, they're like, oh, wow, this really works. It does what you say it does. It, you know, I skied all day and my battery had battery life at the end of the day or uh, my phone didn't overheat or out on the boat or whatever the case may be. I think, you know, seeing that I was just in Aspen. Um, for work event a couple weeks ago and we sat down to meet up with some friends and I had a Fousey shirt on and a guy walked up and said, hey, do you work for Fousey? I was like, yeah, I do. And he pulled it out of his pocket and goes, dude, I love this thing. And saw like four or five other people in that same same uh, restaurant right there in Snowmass, all with Fousey's. And I, I think that's one of the most rewarding things is you know, seeing that we saw we identified a problem, created a solution, and, and you see people utilizing that out in the wild. is uh, It's very satisfying and rewarding. Definitely. I, I, it is, it must be, I, well, I'm sure the first time that ever happened to you, you were like blown away by it. <laughs> really yeah, good. sure. Because, you know, you, you, you can find and always pushing and creating, uh, whether it's marketing, marketing um, opportunities or, or doing trade shows and you just push, 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 push. And you hear from the consumers and emails and you see reviews and things like that. But man, when you see it in the wild and uh, you see people that are stoked about it or, you know, Hey, I've even had people walk up to me and be like, this thing doesn't work for me. And here's why. And we were able to kind of talk through that and, um, better educate them, whether it's something that we can improve on our product or that, that, uh, they didn't realize about their technology. So, uh, it, it goes both ways, but it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It's a, it's always an amazing opportunity when we were able to, to connect on our consumers at that level. And I very, very rarely tell them that, you know, I'm the co-founder or CEO, I just, kind of roll with it like you work for them yeah yeah and you know it's, it's just fun to hear what they have to say and we love love connecting with that because at the end of the day that's the only opinion that matters it doesn't matter really what our retailers or uh, what we think of it it's it's all back to what the consumers think and what our customer says oh you're right you're totally right it's uh it's definitely interesting to see the the evolution of of the product and you know the things that you guys are working on in the future and i'm definitely excited about the gopro housing because we do a lot of film work uh for a lot of our brands and so we're we're constantly out in the backcountry or on the mountain with like 12 batteries <laughs> and you're keeping them all like on inner pockets to make sure they stay warm so that when you do start using them they last as long as possible um but I, I'm excited to see all the things that you guys have coming down the pike and, you know, how far you guys have been able to come in such a short period of time. And I want to thank you, Kevin, for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of Fousey. And um, for anyone that's listening before March 3rd, you can actually enter to win um, a few Fousies for your phone on Red Yeti, along with a ton of other ski and snowboard gear. So just head over to Red Yeti for your chance to win. And again, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Yeti Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.